up a powerful story? I'm Mary DeMuth, and in this podcast, I share stories of everyday people who remind you that you're not alone as you untangle your own story. Because of the outrageous generosity of God, I believe you can experience a joyful restory moment right now. Remember, the old is gone, the new awaits. The Restory Show starts now. The Restory Show, Season 3, Episode 15. Today's podcast is brought to you by BooklaunchMentor.com. If you've had a dream of writing a book or getting it out there, then come on over to BookLaunchMentor.com. There's all sorts of products and things that will help you with that, as well as some video tutorials to teach you how to upload your book to create space in no time at all. So check those out. Also, if you go to BookLaunchMentor.com forward slash mentoring intensive, I now have it open for registration for the July mentoring intensive, which is in the middle of July, 17th through 21st. And boy, do we have some great testimonies of the past one that happened in February. So if you're interested in really taking your writing to the next level and finally realizing that dream, go ahead and register, but do it soon because uh, the, the spaces are closing up fast. So before we get into today's show, I'm going to highlight the iTunes review of the week. And today's is by TGW. There we go. And this is what it says. I listened to many podcasts. When I heard Mary DeButh had one, I thought I'd give it a try. The first one I listened to was her own restory. I have to tell you, I can't get it out of my mind. It's a haunting story in and of itself, but Mary's unapologetic delivery, even through tears at times, makes her story not a tragedy, but a victory for her and for Christ. In sharing such a painful and personal story, Mary's tone is encouraging, compassionate, and courageous. I was so moved by her story that I couldn't help but share it with others. Mary's compelling story hooked me on the Restory show. Her interviews are interesting and inspirational. I highly recommend it. So if you'd like to have your iTunes review read on the Restory show, go ahead and go to the Restory show channel on iTunes and write your two or three sentences and you'll be famous on the Restory show and I'll share it with everybody. Also, if you want to just share this episode with someone, that would be great too. It will just help expand the reach of this show because I just really firmly believe in the power of story. And when we share stories with each other, we expand that reach of this show. So thank you so much. And if you have a story that you'd like to tell, you can go to marydemuth.com and on the right-hand side, you'll see a little microphone and you can record up to four minutes of your story. I've expanded it from two minutes to four minutes. So If you want to share your story and have it shared to the wider audience, just go there and and record it, and I will add it to one of the upcoming episodes. So today, I am welcoming Crystal Hurst, and I actually had not met her in person prior to the Restory Show, which is a little different because typically, I run into people and I say, I bother them and say, hey, you really ought to be on the Restory Show, and we have this great conversation. But Crystal and I had not met, but we became fast friends when we were talking on this episode. And she has an amazing and incredible story of some difficult choices she made in the past. And yet God is using that story today to help her reach many. And so if you have that story, if you have been hurt or you have made your own decisions that have hurt you in the past, it's not too late. And so um, I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Crystal Hurst. Hey everyone, it's Mary with The Restory Show and I have with me Crystal Hurst and I am so excited about having her on the show today and I just know that she's going to share an amazing story. So Crystal, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's nice to meet you. (laughs) Yes, we're finally meeting each other face-to-face, sort of, on Skype. Yeah, (laughs) Even though we live in the same geographical area. So one of these days we'll have to go have lunch. How would that be? That would be great. That would be great. Give the listeners a little bit of an idea of who you are, how you grew up, how you met Christ, where we find you today. 
Well, I am in my mid forties, just about almost. I'm about to have to check another box, you know, that oh. messes with your mind. The boxes mess with your mind. I think if it weren't for the boxes, I would just keep cruising, but the boxes, it's like, nope, you're over the hump. Yeah. Um, so I'm in my mid forties, I have been in church and in a Christian family and in a ministry environment for my entire life. My parents, Tony and Lois Evans have been um, in ministry since they were teenagers and married and continued that together. So they raised us in a, in a ministry life and a ministry family. I am told that I had uh, my first salvation experience. And I say my first salvation experience <laughs> because sometimes we jokingly say, well, I had to get saved again, which that's not true. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you have that, Jesus, I want to invite you into my heart moment at three. You probably don't remember it. So that's what I'm told. But I have written in a couple of Bibles from childhood days when I made sure, you know, or days when I rededicated my life to Christ. My journey with him personally has been one of figuring out who he is to me. And I think one of the great things about being raised in a Christian environment is you're not short on information in terms of who God is, in terms of what's in the Bible, in terms of what's right and wrong, in terms of how to live you know, a life that is pleasing to him, but then everybody around you has the way they do it. And if you're not careful, you can live a long time not realizing that you don't have a rhythm with Christ for yourself. And so one of the things I've learned is through different rhythms and places in my life, different situations, is what it has meant to walk with God for myself and what my relationship with him should look like, what it can look like. And honestly, in a negative way, what it can look like when you try to cruise on fumes or when you try to cruise on um, the energies of the people around you, because if you're not careful, that's one of the things I think can happen and takes people quite unaware because you, even though you know your your relationship with Christ is your own, it's so easy to just cruise on what everybody else is doing when it's a part of your culture and a part of your everyday life. So that's kind of my salvation story. I'm married. I have um, five kids. They're eight years old to 25 years old. Wow, that's a big spread. Wow. That's a big spread. <laughs> uh, my husband and I, when we got married, we each gave each other the gift of a girl on our wedding day, and then we added three boys after that. So we have a blended family. And so that's been lots of fun. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> um, we homeschool. So my days are spent writing and checking algebra, basically, and then cooking dinner. That's kind of my 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 deal right now. I do share on the platform every now and then. I do travel and speak at a lot of women's events, but I am a corporate girl who had an accounting degree and passed the CPA exam and then came home to change diapers and now I'm writing. So there you have it. <laughs> All the while Jesus teaching me what it means to walk with him for myself. Mm, that's really good. And even for, I, I know for me, we raised our kids in a Christian home too. And it's just, it's encouraging because a lot of times you hear the negative things about that, but it's also encouraging to know the positive things about the knowledge that comes and, and that, you know, you'll have those, <laughs> those Bible verses sneak up on you once in a while when you're doing they something do. you, you shouldn't. You can't run from them. They're, <laughs> they're implanted in the back of your head, you know, it's like, so yes, absolutely. Yes, all absolutely. those I, worship songs are stuck in all, there forever. They're, they're stuck. And I think, you know, whatever we don't have, or we have, let me reverse that. Whatever we have lots of, you know, we tend not to value immediately. Now we can learn to value them as we go through life and realize what it might've meant if we didn't have it. Right. But we kind of take it for granted and human beings, we always look at the grass being green on the other side. So I think kids and 
families that that, that they're raised, the danger there is that you have so much of it, you don't appreciate it. And then you don't really want to be on the other side where it, it takes you till 30 to find out that Jesus loves you and you could have, he could have saved you a bunch of trouble. But <laughs> we each have our... We each have our own journeys, and the bottom line is we give him gratitude for however he draws us to him and however he teaches us to walk with him and abide with him after that. I love that. I think owning your own story is really important, too, and that's uh, that's what we're going to talk about next. So you are going to share a story. I don't know what it is, but I'd love just to hear a story where God has really changed you and restored you and restoried you. So I'm going to give you the mic and let you tell the story. Well, I love that. I love that you have restoried, I think that first of all, that's so clever. And then second of all, the idea of that being to own your story. I actually um, have a book coming out in August, and that is the title of chapter three, Own oh, Your awesome. Story. So, hey, perfect. Totally with you. And right after I explain what that means to do that, I say, well, I'm not going to tell you to do that without doing it first. So I'm going to share with you what I share in that that book, because that's kind of where my brain has been, if that's okay. Absolutely. So I already mentioned that my husband and I, we have um, a blended family. And so in my mid-40s, I'm also a grandmother. I have a 25-year-old daughter who's married, and um, when I had her, I was 19. So part of my story is just um, having a season in my late teenage years of sexual promiscuity and going to college, the same college that my boyfriend at the time was going to. And so, you know, independence, and that didn't play out too well. <laughs> um, so my first <laughs> so my first year, you know, my spring semester of my freshman year, I have to call home and tell my pastor parents, my, you know, my dad and his wife, that I'm pregnant, which is, you know, kind of the, it's the thing. There's so many things, you know, that your, that your kids can drop the ball on. But if they get strung out on drugs, if they're sexually promiscuous, if they you know, if they develop a drinking habit, you know, they're kind of, we grade sins. And so yeah. that's one of the ones you're like, I pray to God, my kids never go through this or we never have to struggle through this. And so, you know, I know, I know um, that I broke my, I broke their heart. I broke their heart in so many different ways, but I can say that this is the heart of that for me. Uh, you know, with all the stuff that went with that and all of the the struggle that came from being in a relationship that all of a sudden Now I'm 19, I'm pregnant, I'm in college. And, you know, you get the question from the boy, well, how do I know it's mine kind of thing? And you're like, are you serious? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Serious? Um, But I'm in college. I'm away from my family. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And the hardest thing was thinking, you know, who who knows? You know, who did I tell? Because bad news travels fast. And I'm walking through the, uh, the college campus thinking, are they looking at me? Do they know? And And I just had a days where literally I couldn't function. I mean, getting out of the bed was like, you know, even if I could, do I want to go anywhere? Because it'll be so obvious because of my face and my puffy eyes that I've been crying all night. Or can I get through the day without having a breakdown? You know, can I, um, you know, we're on the same campus. What happens if I pass him? You know, I mean, it's just all of that. And I really had uh, such a huge battle in my mind about my value, my status with God, my my own sense of self-worth, my ability to conceive that there was still something to look forward to in my life because now I have all this stuff to wade through. And I will never forget that I took out a piece of paper one day because I just could not get myself up off the floor. I mean, literally just trying to get myself together enough to get back on the bus, to go back to school, to walk around and go to classes and just feeling so much shame that whether or not people were giving that to me, offering that to me, 
pushing that on me. I was projecting it onto myself. (laughs) And so I took out a piece of paper, wrote down a verse, one verse that reminded me of my value to God. And I'm pretty sure it was um, Jeremiah 29, 11. It was either that or Psalm 139, 14. And eventually both of them ended up on the paper, but I wrote down one scripture. And every time I felt the tears welling up in my, in my face, I mean, your face is getting hot, feel it coming. There's nothing you can do to stop it. I would take out the piece of paper and I'd read the verse. There's a plan. There's a plan. There's still a plan. You know, there's still value. The value that he gave me when he created me in my mother's womb is still true. It's still true. I mean, I would read that scripture. Well, I kept adding scriptures to that piece of paper. And it was a piece of paper I kept balled up in my purse, folded up. It's I still have it. It's now three, four sheets of paper with verses written on the front and the back. They've yellowed with time, just notebook paper, because I kept having to remind myself of what God said about me, even though the facts of my life made it difficult for me to feel that it was true. In order to function, I had to remind myself of the fact of the truth, even when feelings didn't catch up. And so from that, do I still struggle just as a normal course of life with insecurity? I think we all to a certain degree do. I think, you know, do I still have days where it's just been a bad series of days? I'm very overwhelmed. Sure, I still have that. It's for different reasons. Do I still have days where I worry about tomorrow and think, how is this going to shape up? Of course I do. But one of the things that I've learned there's two things. Number one, number one is regardless of how I feel about myself, there's always an assigned value. There is a unconditional value that has been placed on me. And if I don't feel it, if I don't sense it, if I don't feel powerful enough to walk in it, then I have to, I have to revert to not what I'm thinking, but what's God thinking in a very intentional way. When I feel those feelings rising up, I feel the tears, I feel, you know, feel comparison starting to happen as I look at other people around me and I start wondering about what I'm doing with my life. The default is, nope, I have value. I have value because God says I have value. Where are those scriptures? I need to remind myself of what he thinks about me and how much worth he places on me to have gone through so much trouble to send Jesus to die for my sins. And all of this is what I can remind myself of. So number one, I learned that my feelings don't rule my feet. The, the, the oh, that's good. That's good. Rule feelings. That's number one. Number two, that it's my job to actively, ongoingly engage in the thoughts that are true by meditating on them, writing them down, rehearsing them, memorizing them, because there is a default. Now, some people you know, have a default to the positive. They're just positive people. Some people have a default. Yeah. It's kind of those people. Uh, yeah. Those those people. People. They just, <laughs> they just kind of can maybe compartmentalize and not deal with it. And I actually can do that pretty well, but there comes a point where you can't fight it back. I mean, it's coming on you. It's like a, you know, it's like a train coming down the tracks. There's nothing you can do about it. And the only way to battle Incorrect thinking in your mind is to fight it with correct thinking, and all truth comes from God's word. And so we are short shortchanging ourselves when we don't purposefully, intentionally, and consistently engage ourselves in the word because that's how we fight back. That's how we fight back with feelings that are incorrect, with facts that we're operating off of that are half truths. You know, it's kind of like, you know, even the devil in the garden. I mean, he was feeding her truth just half of it, you know, and the only way that you can know that you're truly operating where you need to be is if you're operating on full truth. So my story, what it taught me was the value of me. It taught me the value of 
operating on the truth of God's word and what it means to actively engage in the truth of God's word. But it also taught me how to encourage other people because I know what it's like to be on the floor. And the messages are so simple. It's so simple. You are worth it. You're going to be okay. God still has a plan. You have value. And I think sometimes when I'm sharing those words with people, this is so dumb. You know, like everybody knows this. Everybody mm-hmm. knows mm-hmm. you have value. But we need to be reminded of that we do. because life happens. Our stories happen. And as I walked with God through that story, my my 20s, really, the majority of my 20s is a journey of me repairing the holes. Hmm. By that one circumstance, my my own mistakes, my own choices, the hurt extended to me by somebody else, all of that went into this vortex of creating, I mean, it bore a very, very deep and wide hole. And my 20s were replacing that. And I, and, he, and I know that God can heal and I know that he can do things quickly, but I just think there's some things, there's just no way around other than time, <laughs> you know. God being a healer, him being all powerful, all that, it still has to work within the construct of your design physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, and repairing those holes take time and giving ourselves grace. So I spent a lot of my 20s thinking, (laughs) I just felt so emotionally behind. I just, you know, I just was struggling just to be okay with getting up and going to work every day. You know what I mean? Just, just all the little things. But what I've what what God taught me, and he reminds me of every day, is that the basic of the story, the basic of the whole story of his story, history, is that he loves us because he has imputed an unconditional value to us. And it's our job in life to believe that, then to act on it. Because if we believe that we're valuable, it changes what we say, it changes what we do, it changes how we interact with other people. It has enabled me to be grace-giving to other people because no matter how far you've fallen, what you've done or what's been done to you, you need to know you're going to be okay, you have value, and God has a plan. And people will tell me, you're so encouraging. No, actually, I'm not a natural encourager. I just know what it's like to be on the floor and need to be reminded of the importance of God's story in our life. I so appreciate that. And that's one of the things I talked about last weekend. I was at a women's retreat and teaching about um, the importance of truth and your emotions and the lies that you believe. And yeah, there are days when things are not going the way you want them to go or things are difficult. And I just have to go back to the solidity of God's word. And in this kind of crisis of biblical illiteracy that we have out there, talk a little bit about how that can be a problem for someone in this world. If, if, if we're biblically illiterate, what kind of problems does that create for us? And then why is it important to believe the Bible is the Word of God? Well, a couple of things. Number one, the problem of biblical illiteracy is, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> let, let's, just for, let's just not even pretend that we're, we're Christians. There is so much in our world, whether it's governmental, whether it's sociological, whether it is cultural, I mean, just our history alone, so much comes from that. And without an understanding of where that stuff comes from, you really are culturally, there's there's a shallowness to your, to your, your ability to be culturally literate, because so much of what we have comes from the Bible. So, you know, just civilization and how civilization has viewed the Bible over time. So, that's a problem if you're, even if you're not a Christian. But if you are a Christian, your inability 
to know what God thinks about your life halts you from living at the at the full throttle spot where he wants you to live because how can you possibly live the life God wants you to live if you don't know how he wants you to live it and how will you know how he wants you to live it if you're not reading the letter i look at the bible and i say this all the time it is a letter that he took such care to preserve. It's a love letter that he took care to preserve over thousands of years so you would know exactly what he thinks. And if you don't read it, how will you know his love? I mean, above the, you know, God loves me. Okay, we got it. But will you know the depth of his love, all of the intricacies and all of the the ways that he worked through time and space and people to deliver? I mean, when you just think about, like when I think about, Canaanite women, Moabite women, foreign women who ended up into the lineage of Jesus Christ. You know, and I think about Ruth or I think about Rahab, how Jesus even wove them in. It's like, wow, that's a great story. Well, it's not just a great story. It's part of this great plan to weave in all peoples into the lineage of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just great. So you have this appreciation for who God is when you read his word. You have an awe for what he's done when you read his word. And we love him because he first loved us. And once you have a greater understanding of that love, it motivates you and empowers you to love him back with your life. So when I see people who are struggling to love God with their life by honoring God with their choices or struggling with obedience, I really think that a lot of times it's because we don't understand the depth of the gift that he's given us. And we won't understand it if we don't read. And the scriptures, study of the scriptures is a discipline. I mean, and it is. I mean, you know, there's stuff in there. You can read it surface and then you got something. Then you go look up a word in a dictionary and you got something. And then Lord forbid, if you have, you know, a a Bible that teaches you at at a granular level what these words mean in their original language, you know, some of this stuff blows your mind. But you'll never get that depth of understanding, which translates into you loving him with your life full throttle unless you read. And that's part of too, like loving him with our minds as well, you know, thinking intelligently about the scriptures and meditating on them. And, and I, I guess I'm just more and more convinced these days that that's the bedrock. That's the truth on which we stand. And in a world of relativism and a world of, you know, you get to choose your own adventure sort of, sort of theology <laughs> or choose your own theology based on your whim at the moment to have some sort of, beautiful truth that has withstood the, the test of time has just been really, it's an important thing to remember. And I think we need to just remind each other. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Yes. <laughs> and the more you need to, you know, need to study. I mean, the Bible says that, oh, the depths of the riches of the knowledge, because it is deep and it is unsearchable. So the only thing that you do is show up every day and crack it open and read it. And I just think that we overcomplicate it sometimes. We're trying to, we're working so hard to find the right Bible study, or we're working so hard to try out, you know, the right, find the right Bible method. And he's like, you know, if you would just read it and look for me, <laughs> and not that you shouldn't study, but sometimes we get caught up in the check, in the checking the box of the study. And um, I think it's both, you know, I think it's truth and it's 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 not it's worship and the spirit of worship and truth. I love that. And sometimes it can just be like a few words where you've read them a thousand times and then you read like four words and your whole world's turned upside down. So that's because we change. Mm-hmm. So what we've experienced in the light that God's word sheds on our experiences change as we change. But God wrote a he allowed for 
all these different authors over all these different years to basically repeat the same truths over time. And he knew what you'd need to know when you're 20 and what you'd need to know when you're 50. And the Bible, <laughs> it's, it's almost like an outfit you never outgrow. It just keeps expanding as you expand, as you grow. That's beautiful. So you you made it through your 20s because you're here, you're in your 40s now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're alive. Um, tell us a little bit more about just kind of the, I don't know, if coming out of a tunnel is the right illustration, but just kind of that reversal of of worth. Uh, did you have like a time and a moment or was it a gradual time of just soaking yourself in the word and hearing from God or someone loved you well or how did that work? You know what? Okay. So it has been gradual, but there was a point in time. So there was, there was, there was a struggle, but twenties was a struggle for a variety of reasons. One, because I was struggling emotionally, but also it was really hard to untie myself from that relationship. And so, you know, there was a, there was a period of time where, you know, is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Are we going to get married? I'm not really sure. I mean, it was that, there, that, and all the while I did stay in school. I finished school, um, got a job and, about two, three years after that, I don't remember what the discussion was. I don't remember exactly what happened. I just remember a light went on in my head. And I just remember thinking I, I had spent time and energy and effort building my life. And I had one experience that made me feel that I had gotten a wall, a hole in the wall knocked down. And if you think about it like this, if you're a kid and you're building a sandcastle, and somebody walks by and kicks it. You don't want them to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like if you've been sitting there and you haven't built anything and somebody kicks the sand, it doesn't bother you. But once you've been building it and you spent hours on it and you've put time into it and energy and sweat and tears, you don't want anybody to mess it up. So in that moment, the light that went on was <laughs> not only do I have worth, but I'm, I'm building a life that has worth. And everybody doesn't get to have a front row seat. I mean, it was just, I mean, not in a mean way. It was just kind of like, you know what? No, I've worked too hard on this wall. And if when you walk by the wall, you take out a brick or you punch a hole in it or you, you know, kick it and, you know, knock down a side of it, then maybe you shouldn't be near my wall. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm going to ask you to be successful elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or destructive so, elsewhere. So that wasn't so much a spiritual moment. I mean, it was, but not so much. It was more of like a, an awareness. It's almost like God says I have value. So I acted on it. I started acting on it. And then I started to believe it in, in a spiritual sense and in a physical sense. Actually, no, I'm not going to waste any more money, <laughs> any more time, any more energy on this because I've worked too hard. And so I think that we have a responsibility to grow spiritually. But I think sometimes we are really good at growing spiritually and we're not really good at taking care of ourselves in every other sense of the word. So you have Christians who know every scripture in the Bible, but they're tired, they're sick, they're bitter, they're upset because there's so many other things that they have allowed to eat away at the core of who they are. They've allowed people or circumstances or bad habits to destroy the other parts of them. And while God wants to save our souls, he wants us to live abundantly and we have to take responsibility for that. So at a certain point, I had to say, nope, I'm not going to write any more checks. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I mean, there was the physical, practical outworking of that. 
And I think that's what um, I'm, I'm really passionate about women understanding is dig into the word, understand what God says. And then the practical part of that, you need to get some sleep and you don't need to have everybody. Everybody can't be in your circle and you have to know what brings you joy and engage in that and not allow the world and all the busyness to suck you dry because those things, as evidenced even by the life of Jesus Christ and how he rested and how he had priorities, you can't be everybody's friend. You can't I mean those practical things are just as important as read the word of God. Because if you read it and you memorize the scriptures, but you're tired and bitter and angry and you've allowed people to peck away at your, then what's the point? <laughs> what's the point? You'll be a person who knows all the scriptures that's sitting at home crying all the time. I mean, what's the point? <laughs> So when you ask me about coming out, there was the knowledge and growing of what God says about me. But then there was the practical, God has given me tools to build my sandcastle or brick wall or whatever. And so why am I going to let other life circumstances or people who don't understand the value of that near enough to knock it down? I love that. And I think there's just so much richness there. I had a, a person email me yesterday and she was talking about how she was perplexed as to why she wasn't getting great glee by knocking down those, like the bad things in the past. She said, <laughs> I should be happy that I'm getting rid of these things, these, these decisions, you know, these choices I'm making for myself. I should be happy. And I said, a lot of times what holds us back is that dysfunction is our normal. And it's what we know. And so if we kick those in to use, you know, use your metaphor on a flipped side, if we get rid of the past in terms of let go of those old patterns of behaving, then who are we? Then who are we? Because we only know the dysfunctional ones and those have become security to us. And so part of growth is being willing to say, I have to do something brand new now. I, I can't, and I don't know what that looks like. My normal is abnormal. <laughs> and uh, now I've got, because I know that I'm a woman of worth or person of worth, I'm going to make choices to protect myself against predators. I'm going to take, you know, make those kinds of good choices. And that that is also painful in and of itself is letting go of some of those old patterns. Mm-hmm. It totally is. We we revert to our old habits and our own comfort zones. And as we all know, creating new habits is work, not because the habits are hard, but because the old habits are so easy. <laughs> they require a level of energy we don't normally exert. And so that's why it takes so long to pave new pathways and takes so long to create new ways of thinking because it takes energy to do them differently. But that's why, you know, everybody's walking around, you know, talking about you make me brave in the songs that we're singing. (laughs) But it's true. It's true that there is a certain level of bravery required to say, this is comfortable. This is what I know. I could do this without really exerting any energy. But because I believe that there's something better on the other side, I'm going to put in the effort. I'm going to put in the effort. And one of my favorite stories is, you know, um, the story of Jessica McClure. I don't know if you remember that. She was stuck in the well. It was like CNN hadn't been on very long. So it was like their major story we all got to watch. She's alive in the, in you know, six feet, eight feet under the ground. She's alive. And it took a lot of energy and effort for them to get her out. Now, it would have been easier to just leave her there. But when someone's alive, you go through all of the effort to go all the way around to dig a parallel path. And you, you, you know, it's taxing. The rescue is taxing. But when someone's alive, you put in the work. You put in the work. And so if you're alive, if I'm alive, and we want to bring to the surface 
the best of who we really are, then sometimes it requires a dig. And it's not something we'd normally do. It's not our everyday. It's not something that we may feel like doing. But if you want the girl to live above the surface, then you have to do the work. I love that. That is a beautiful story and such an important one. And I think part of that is just looking yourself in the mirror and just realizing from all the truth in scripture that what the world says about you is probably not true and what God says about you actually is true. And so therefore you need to take the effort to live the life you've always wanted. Exactly. Exactly. So as you've walked through this kind of pathway of, you know, making a choice and then having this daughter and walking through your twenties with all the things that happen there, um, what kind of advice would you give to someone in the same kind of situation? You know, I would just say that um, you need to recognize the circumstances for what they are, which is it is painful and it is hard and it is difficult and it does require a rethinking about how you're going to live your life and a retooling of how you logistically get things done absolutely positively. But you also need to understand that for every person, every voice that is condemning, every voice that is um, shaming, every voice that is guilt giving, there are people, even if you have to search them out, there are people who want to be there to support you, to speak life into you, to not focus on um, how you got there, but to focus on where you go from here. And if you have to call a million pregnancy centers or a million churches with counseling ministries or freedom area, you know, areas of freedom ministries, if you have to hunt it down and knock it down, you find it because more than anything, what you need in your life is other people, other voices who are saying the things you need to hear and encouraging you to meditate on the things you need to believe. The fastest way out of a pit is to have other people who are helping you get out. Yeah, that's really true. (laughs) So what we typically do when we're in a pit and we realize we're there, especially when we got in there on our own, is we don't want anybody to know we're down there. (laughs) So you're going to sit down there in the dark, getting more and more depressed and more and more isolated. And that doesn't help you get out. The thing that helps you get out is to say, hey, y'all, I'm down here. Can y'all help me get out <laughs> and reach for help? That's what I'd say is is reach for help and accept the help that people want to give. Mm-hmm. It, and it's a gift to learn how to receive that help. It is. It's hard, which is why a lot of people stay stuck way too long. Yeah, because they're not willing to accept it. But that's, that is your ticket out of the pit. You're right. It's other people. I have often told people that what wounds us is what heals us. So if you've been wounded in negative community. The way out is a scary thing, but God calls us to be in relationship with good community. And so we can't write off the good community because we've had bad community. Right. So it's the way out. Absolutely. Positively. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That'll preach. So, um, okay. So in the past year in your forties, how has God restoried you? So my husband and I have now been married about 16 years. And um, like I said, we have the five kids. And in the last seven years, <laughs> my husband had a stroke seven years ago. And so we've had a long, since then, there's been a series of things. I mean, it's just one thing after another, after another. So in the last year, you know, he's he's got some other health challenges now. And so we've had a move and I've written a book and it's been one thing after another, after another, after another that have stacked on the amount of things that I'm responsible for, the amount of things that I have to carry and even change the way I have to carry them just because of the dynamics in my home. And so while it hasn't been so much a question of value restoring, it has certainly been a it has certainly been a um, restoring of what he what he knows I'm capable of and in what seasons he will allow me to carry certain loads 
that I don't think I can carry or I don't think I can carry now. (laughs) And it's been a season of learning to lean on him when I really have had enough and to say to him, hey, you know, you kind of threw all this on me, but, um, you know, I really don't have it. And when and, and, and learning what true dependence looks like when you trust that God will not put more on you than you can bear or that he won't help you to carry empower you to carry. And then when you feel that way, looking at him and saying, okay, you're putting all this on my plate. So exactly how are you going to work this out? Jesus? <laughs> I'm <laughs> and curious. Seeing him, and seeing him time and time again, figure it out for me. It, it is. It has been the watching the Lord fight your battles kind of season. So if I believe that I have value, will he not care for me more than he cares for the lilies of the valley and for the sparrows? Lily? Well, that's one of those verses I believed with that that helped me with the value. But is it now one of the verses that I believe when it comes to meeting my needs? It's it's the same, but it's different. <laughs> and so that's kind of been what I've been learning. He's been teaching me that lesson. I'm in the middle of it right now. What does it mean that I really do care about you? that I see you, that I know what you got on your plate, that I understand what the weight is like, and that I will help you. What does that mean? And do you believe that I will enough to stop trying to do it all yourself and to sit back and say, all right, Jesus, you brought all this in. So what's the plan? (laughs) That's good. And I do think that there are times where you're just overwhelmed. And I've been in that kind of season many times and even recently. And, and you just think, oh, I don't really want to go through this. <laughs> no. Nope. And sometimes you don't have the option. So yeah. yeah. And so you're forced to, and, you, and then you get to see the deliverance of the Lord, mm-hmm. but it, mm-hmm. it is, it's a faith journey. And uh, I'm grateful you're learning that again and again and again, because it's just a truth we just have to keep learning. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, Crystal, it has been such a delight to have you on the Restory Show, and I'm so grateful for your generosity and the wisdom that you've learned and you're willing to share it with others. So thank you so much for your story today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord Jesus, thank you that Crystal has such a powerful story and that we all have the potential to have that same powerful story that our past is not negated and our future is not nullified by by our past. And Jesus, thank you that you do something new every single day that we do not have to we do not have to conjure up new life, but your scripture promises the old has gone and the new has come. And Lord, thank you instead of seeing our past as roadblocks and problems, but help us to see it today as a gift. And, and help us to trace your hand through all of it. I also pray, Father, that you would give us a passion for your word, a really close connection to your words to us through your Bible. And I'm just so grateful for it. I pray that we would become deeper and deeper students of the word, not merely hearers, but also people who obey it. And I know that we grow by obedience. So I just pray that you would give the listeners today an obedient heart to really do the hard things that you're calling us to do and the easy things and the joyful things too. So thank you for providing a way for us through the Holy Spirit to, to obey you and to walk with you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more information about today's show, head on over to marydemuth.com forward slash restory 3-15. That's restory 3-15. And may you live a brand new story this week.